isn't that powerful? I'm sure you've seen this before. I'm sure you've seen this footage before. But if you haven't, you read the story how this son was born with this disability and he decided he wanted to run. But because he couldn't run, his father decided to carry him and push him and pull him. And what you won't see on here is they've been doing this for almost 40 years. When the terrorists bombed Boston, that marathon, they were scheduled to make that run, and that was going to be their last run. But they didn't. So when they ran the marathon this year, he ran again for a son. I don't know if you know this or not, but you haven't been carrying yourself. You might think you've been doing it on your own. You might think you've been successful. You might think, well, I'm great in my own strength and I'm blessed and highly favored, so I'm doing it. Can I be honest with you? It's not you. It's God. It's always God. Always carrying you. Always pulling you. Always pushing you into a greater grace. And into a greater place in life. God so loved the world so much. (laughs) So much. I was telling a guy one time, he was correcting me, a biblical scholar was correcting me on my use of a particular passage of Scripture. And he got really hung up on this idea of Jehovah Jireh. And he said, it's not Jehovah Jireh, the provider. It's, that was a place. So that was his correction for me. It was that God took him to a place. For God loved the world. So. So I said, so? I don't care which one it is. If he's Jehovah Jireh and he provides for me, hallelujah, I'm provided for. If he's Jehovah Jireh and he takes me to a place of provision, I'm provided for. So, I might not have it the way you want doctrinally, but I know what I mean. And I know what he is to me. For God's loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believes in him may not die but have eternal life. Now, that's not where I was going. You get that free this morning. <laughs> I meant, I wanted to, when I was given this precious, precious privilege, I wanted to speak um, from Luke, 15th chapter. Um, and it's the 11th. I think it starts at the 11th. 
uh, verse. Yeah, it's the prodigal son, that story of the prodigal son, and you know that. I wanted to, I wanted to preach from there or speak from there, and I had found my strength earlier in the week in leaning on this idea of a prodigal father. You know, pointing out that the story, while it is the most of that particular scripture reads about the son, it really isn't about the son. It's, it's really about the love of God, the love of the father. That's really what the story is about. You realize that this man sacrificed his dignity by running to his son. He threw down his dignity by running to his son and kissing him because his son had ultimately committed sin against his father. And so he really didn't deserve a place in that household. He also ran, I've read, to save his son because recognizing him in the distance, he knew that it's possible that somebody else would recognize him and possibly stone him because of his sin against his father. So this father runs to his son. That's God running to us. That's God running to us when we don't deserve it, when we've walked away and we've squandered our everything. So I wanted to speak on that. And I, I tell you, I, I thought I had something really, really wonderful to share. And I, while I believe that, will come later. That's not what God gave me this morning. What he gave me this morning is simple. I'm on a journey, and I've been on a journey most of my life. And everybody here is on the same journey at a different point. I'm on a journey from sonship to fathership. You're on a journey from sonship to fathership or daughtership to mothership. But either way, you're growing. Is there, can I say that, mothership? Is that a, is that a, is that a, can you say that? Is that a, that's a word here. I guess you, again, when I said so, talking about that, you know what I mean. Mothership. I'm, I'm not talking about a spaceship. I'm talking about, like, Mothership. Mother, motherhood. Okay. Well, you have to watch how you say that where I grew up. You know, I grew up in the hood. <laughs> okay. So, I've I, I pawned this and I'm going to go through it as be, be real diligent about it. But, um, I was reading Proverbs. And you know, the whole general meaning for me, every time I read Proverbs, I find one thing to be true. He's always talking about your mouth. The Bible says, blessing and death is in the power of the tongue. And in Proverbs, every time I read, everything I read points to what I say or think. So one thing I found to be true, a friend of mine used to say this, and I was looking for it in Proverbs. I couldn't find it exactly the way he said it, but I'm going to 
use it. It's, he would say, it's better to close your mouth and appear to be dumb than to open it and remove all doubt. I don't know if you ever, I don't know if you ever really thought about that. But it's better to look stupid than prove how stupid you really are. Can I say that, Pastor, and get away with it? Why not? He said, well, I know that I'm all right then. So I want to share some of these because here's where I'm going to start. Because I got up about 3 this morning and this was came to me. I've only been a biological father for about seven years. But with the help of many friends, many special other people in my life, I've come to realize that I've been a father for a long time now. I don't say that with any intentions other than to explain the amazing journey God has allowed me to take. And I use this message to express, hopefully in some small way, the many different hats that I've worn and you're aware as you keep on living. My mama used to say, and she would say it all the time, and I just, you know, I never understood it when I was young, but she would just say, keep on living. I'd make a mistake, and she would say, keep on living. I would think I've seen the best days of my life. She'd say, keep on living. I think I would experience the worst times I could ever experience, and she would say, keep on living. I remember... Uh, the first time that I went on the road as a professional musician and the first time I got paid money as a professional musician. And I thought, there's something that nobody has told me about this because I get to do what I love to do. I get paid for it. And the girls love me. Somebody didn't tell me the truth. And somebody's been trying to hold something back from me. But whenever I would share with my mom how great something was, she would say, keep on living. And as a matter of fact, until you die, you're going to keep on living. And as you keep on living, you're going to learn more and more and more. I was raised in a single parent, fatherless household. I had three other siblings. Some of you have met a couple of them. And, and, you've, and I've talked about all of them at different points in time with different people. My father, my biological father, never claimed me, never owned me, never wanted anything to do with me. I want to stop right there for a minute because I get so sick and tired, and I mean sick and tired, of guys blaming the way they are on the absence of a father. My mom raised me to be the man that I am. But can I go one even deeper? I've had many fathers, many fathers. And one particular father expressed to me that when I was on the road, he said, you don't have to be anything you don't want to be. 
And you could be whatever you decide you want to be. Nobody can make that decision for you but you. Let's talk about the absence of a father. I don't say that to gain any pity or anything like that. It's not that because I feel like I've done pretty well. I feel like I've turned out all right. I'm not perfect, but I feel like I've done pretty well. And so I've called this from son to child to father, the many hats I've worn and that you'll wear along the way. So let's look at this. Proverbs 10, 1 says, A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish and self-confident son is the grief of his mother. Proverbs 10 and 2 says, Treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness, moral, and spiritual rectitude in every area and relation delivers from death. Of course, that, that's the uh, BBE. So it says, Wealth which comes from, from sin is no profit, but righteousness gives salvation from death. Now go to 3. Let's see what that says. The Lord will not let the upright be in need of food, but he puts far from him the desire of the evildoers. Now, why are these important? Because these are all coming from a father to a son. And this is crucial information. One of the hats I've worn um, growing up, I brought. Uh, I went through my closet. If you've been to my house, you'll note that I have a vast collection of shoes and hats. At one point I had probably, since I've been in Texas, because I've tried, I've done everything, I've given away a lot. But I probably had 200 pairs of shoes in my closet, and I've, I guarantee I've got at least 200 hats. I wear all of them. Some of them, my head is too big, I can't wear them no more. And some of them, they just, you know, that season has passed. But there was a time when I wore many different hats. So here's one. You won't understand the significance of this hat, but I'll explain a little bit, Ruth. This is a Nike, it's called a journeyman hat, journeyman cap. And it was made... When I was part of a group called Loyalty, and Loyalty was on what's called the list. The list is Michael Jordan's list of friends. So every month, if you're on the list, when Nike comes out with the new Jordans and they come out with the new product, everybody on the list gets brand new stuff. That's why I had so many shoes in my closet. I had you know, upwards of 200 pairs of shoes, probably 160 pairs of those were Nikes that I never wore. I didn't buy them, so I didn't feel bad about having them. I didn't come under conviction until later on this year when I realized, you know what, somebody else could use these shoes. And my wife would be happy that I cleared the closet. So 
Because if you've been in my house, and I'm ashamed to admit this, if you've been in my house, we have a huge closet in our bedroom. I mean, it's a big, you walk into it and you can walk, sit down and there's a dresser in there and there's all this other thing. And there's two sides to it. Well, I have my side and I have her side. And she has, now this would be strange for women, but she has like a corner in her side. So I got, I fell under conviction, Lord, I need to get rid of these shoes. So I would call different people, different friends, because they're all size 13, so you, you know, you can't necessarily, there's not a lot of people that wear the same size I wear all the time. So, but I call different people, and over time, the last year and a half or so, I've just given stuff away, given them away. If, you know, I got something for you. Send somebody some shoes. And, you know, when my term on the list ended, which I was on there for almost six years, so when my term for the, on the list ended, that stuff stopped coming in. So I kept a few. So anyway, this was, that's what the hat I wore. But it also points to one of the reasons I don't wear it, because it reminds me of how greedy I was and how full of pride I was, how the Lord had to break me from covetousness. So I don't wear this hat anymore. Another hat. My mama made this hat when I was 15 years old. I was a real skinny kid then. Skinny. I was skinny, believe it or not. And uh, I remember one year for Christmas. By the time I was 15, I was on the road, and I'd been on the road for a couple of years. wasn't making a lot of money, but I was doing all right. And I didn't go on the road necessarily to make money. I went on the road so I wouldn't be a burden to my mother. I figured even if I don't make a lot of money, I'll be somebody she won't have to feed, somebody she won't have to worry about. But I also figured I'll be somebody that eventually I'll be able to send something home. And I was able to put my brothers through school a couple of years and pay for different things just on the money I was making on the road. I came home for Christmas one year. I was 15. And my mom said, uh, it's been a different, difficult year. We had a, in the house that we lived in, the, in Kentucky, you have basements. And our water heater was in the basement with the furnace. There was a door that wouldn't close because the wall had gave way and this big mound of dirt and concrete had started pushing in and it wouldn't allow the door to close. So that winter, when it rained and then that rain froze, it left ice in the basement about that high and it busted the water heater and the pipes. My mom used everything she had to get the house in condition to live in. So she said, I couldn't uh, afford to buy anything. So she made me and my brothers these hats. 
means the world to me. When I put this hat on, I'm that 15-year-old kid. Like I said, my head's a lot bigger than it was. But I'm that 15-year-old kid again under my mama's care. No daddy, but it didn't matter. She loved me and she pointed me to the Father. That's what matters. The last hat I have time for. I bought this hat about three years ago. And I bought it for my son, Bubby. We were on a trip, and we had gone to Kentucky, and we decided to go, I forget where we were going, to Indianapolis or somewhere to visit somebody, and it was God-awful cold. It didn't snow, but it was cold. So we stopped at this truck stop, and uh, I said, baby, we're going to have to get that boy a hat. You know, he's always had dreads or plaits, but when he would step out of the car, Need to be covered something. So I bought it for him. Why is that significant? I remember Well, I wasn't going to have a son. I remember being really, really sick. And the doctors said it's impossible you to have a son. You know the story. I've shared it with you over and over again. I'm sure you've grown tired of it. Bottom line is I went to four different doctors over a pretty good course of time. And they all had the same prognosis. Mr. Anderson, you won't have children. It's impossible. I was in Indianapolis at that truck stop and went and bought my impossible something. Every time I look at this hat and I, I put it on him when it gets cold, I think about what the doctors, you know, the doctors, they, they don't know. And they don't know who they work for. A doctor can come to you and give you hope and tell you, I think we can fix that. That same doctor can open his mouth and say, it's terminal and there's no cure. And they don't know in that instance who they're working for. So it's up to you to stand on the word of God and say, I have a father who told me thus and so. Again, I've worn many, many hats. So this this is biological father. This is biological son. Oh yeah, this is this is the last one. I will show you it's, if I can find it. It's really, really neat. Here we go. I went through this point when, because um, I was a lot slimmer then good-looking. Uh, I was modeling. So I had this. If you go online, you can find it sometimes. I was doing this cologne uh, commercial.
commercial for cologne. It was a real rare cologne called Free. You could only buy it in London. But they paid me a lot of money to, to, to put on this kingly outfit. I had a big robe, and it was all purple and stuff, and this hat. And, of course, that was when I thought I was all that. And a bag of chips. Barbecue. So I don't have what I wear now. Obviously, you see me in this hat all the time. I like to think that this hat displays maturity, that I've grown, that I'm coming into the promise of God, who I would be, that I am a father, and then not only am I a father, but I'm learning from the father how to father. Does that make sense? So when I put this hat on, it's not just, when you see me in hats, you know, a lot of people think, oh, that guy loves hats. They mean a lot more to me than just the hat, just the material it's made from. Everything in that box has a story. It's amazing, when I was looking through it, and I decided to share this with you. It's amazing. The last thing I'll share with you is before I started wearing hats, uh, uh, Chris, before I started wearing hats, Man, turn that up, y'all. You know, come on, man. That's sweet. Imagine 72, 73. Some of you would know that's Earth, Wind, and Fire, and I did a tour with them. Um, people always ask me, Shake, did you have a cherry curl? Yes, I did have a curl. I had an afro before that. I've come a long way in this journey from son to fathership, fatherhood. Thank you, Steve. One thing I've learned. It's better to close your mouth and appear dumb than to open it and remove all doubt. And I want to introduce you to my friend you heard about. Pastor talked about him a little bit earlier, but when I was a little boy coming up in Louisville, Kentucky, the records that I heard that affected my life. Andre Crouch, the Winans, the Hawkins family. Those records 
meant the world to me. When I would hear, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above and there's no other. Jesus is the way. When I would hear, take me back, take me back, dear Lord, to a place where I first received you. Or when I hear the wine and sing, the question is, will I ever leave you? The answer is no, 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 no. No, 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 no. This was the guy playing those songs. This was the guy on those records. When you look at his discography, there's over 128 of those records in there. And I knew every last one of them. So when I was walking a specific season, God allowed me to tour with Crystal Lewis, Brian Duncan, and a group called Anointed. And that's where I met Harlan Rogers. We we were singing um, last night. Yeah. 
salvation that is available so freely by calling upon your name. Lord, I pray for every person here today that knows you, that they would leave here today closer to you than they've ever been before. And those here today who don't really know you, that may think they do, but Lord, show yourself to them today.